Hello, listeners, to the ASI podcast. My name is Russ Shaw. It's that fall festival Halloween kind of season one of my favorite times of the year um this season's heavy and I'll tell you why in this episode but uh I'm going to address some of the the Christians in this episode and if you're not a Christian or you're not a religious person stick with me because Another thing that I've learned uh, studying psychology and philosophy and and how in the tangible day-to-day reality of relationships, how communication is important. I'm a bit of a wordsmith myself, and I found it super helpful to look at other language for words like faith. One of them's attachment. So talking about some of that here today. ASI247.org is the website for this here podcast. And I'd like to thank Henry and Bob, co-producers of the ASI podcast, making this thing possible. That's right. And my hat's off to you guys. Couldn't do it without uh, listeners supporting this thing. So, again, thanks to those guys. And there we go. Turning off the applause track. <laughs> but seriously, thank you guys so much. What about you? Uh, would you like to be a co-conspirator on this here pirate odyssey of spirituality, psychology, philosophy, sexuality, and emotional nudity? Uh, join the resistance, whatever that means. Um, but then seriously, I'd love to have you aboard sponsor sponsored by Bob and Henry <laughs> this here podcast, uh, ASI 247.org, man. I certainly appreciate that. Keeps these things going. Also, if you're a Christian thinking, how can you justify your Christian faith with celebrating Halloween rest? Like what's that about? Um, I've actually done several, shows over the years with a with a Halloweeny theme to them throughout the uh, thread or the the feed here if you scroll back and look in the October's past I haven't done one every year but I've done a lot so they they may be helpful for you and I'm sure that there's things in there I probably would disagree with myself on as well but there's some good information on why that is I think it's actually important Yes, as a Jesus-loving, Bible-believing Christian. Titling this episode, Unfinished Business. And over the years of doing this, going into the places where the compulsive behavior fed on, you know, uh, when you really uh, get serious about healing, it will change you. Yes, I'm a Christian. I'm a very different Christian than I was 20 years ago. I'm I'm way different a believer 
to use those words than I was when this show started. And that's because of some of the healing I've I've done. And it's been work. It's been hard work, but it's been really good work. And a big part of that is uh, dealing with my unfinished business, to use those words. Um, one more order of business to get out of the way. Nice segue, right? See what I did there? Uh, uh, more tunes, the bumper music for the show, little Halloween-y feel. By the way, uh, Spotify, if you guys use Spotify and you search for ASI Podcast Bumps, there's uh, a list of all the music I've played on this show over the years, and you can listen there if you like. The, it's just music I've used on the show. Um, if you like the bands, follow the bands. Uh, they give you notifications when they come to your town. Um, even if they're not touring, there's merch or new you know, vinyl that comes out or something. Uh, Spotify is great for stuff like that. So I wanted to, to throw that out there. And if you listen, it also helps uh, the artist get a, get a few pennies per play, uh, which is helpful too. Um, so throwing that out there, I'll get right into it. like that right in the compulsive stages of this thing that that's a really familiar feeling you know like you're split in two Jekyll and Hyde feel like a monster you know out of control in my own behaviors I remember being so frustrated with that there's this part of me right that's that's coming to life and has sort of a mind of its own that's it's in my body you know that's that's familiar language right um those are two christian rock bands by the way that is a uh, petra jekyll and hyde from like the 80s petra i remember petra from back in the day and then skillet with monster and that song by skillet uh is is one of those crossover kind of tunes that made the charts in the rock charts a few years ago uh with the wake album uh, i think that's interesting that that because it reached in and touched that feeling of and here's what i'm gonna say it's unfinished business now, I wanted to deal with the title right off the bat here. Uh, what is unfinished business? You, you hear that, you know, in ghost shows or or books or, you know, well, he had unfinished business, so he haunts this house. Um, people are haunting houses while they're alive, all right? That's kind of what I wanted to, to touch on here in this episode. Um, what is unfinished business? It is uh, someone who is blocked in being able to deal with their stuff, right? Their deep inner 
um, stuff that needs to be worked out. And for a lot of us, whether it's, you know, and it's not just Christians and social norms based on religion and stuff like that. It's also people I've noticed from the recovery community who tend to focus on sobriety, right? If I could just get sober, uh, if I could just kill the monster, um, then, then everything would be fine, and and maybe some of you like you feel that if I could, if I could remove this thing in me, um, no, I, I don't, I don't think it works that way. This is this is your body, and your heart and your mind working to integrate. I think is part of why you're struggling with this. And I've said this before on the show, and it's it's fairly controversial. I'll say it again. Um, I'm glad you're here. You know. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're, it sounds sick. I know it hurts. I know it's, it's suffering. I know it's causing issues with your, maybe your marriage and your relationships. Um, but there's something being worked out in you through this suffering. All right. And, and that is, it's leading you, like my friend Seth says, instead of, you know, negatively charging pornography use or your last, uh, PMO, words like I fell or relapse. What if instead of all the horrible negative words we say to ourselves, like pervert, sex addict, uh, you know, out of control, um, wandering eye, boy, girl, whatever. Um, what if there's this little ghost in you that's encouraging you to deal with that unfinished business? And that's a good thing. What if that's a good thing? We tend to be afraid of the scary monsters and run from them and lock them away in closets or attics. Addicts, right? Um, Somewhere along the way, and I know this all too well, uh, appetites gain sort of a mind of their own, right? And then we see something like sexual needs as a thing to be demonized. Is that what's going on? What if instead of scary monsters, there are actually voices inside of us that really want to be heard, that really want to be paid attention to. And some of you may be thinking, well, what about pedophiles, Russ? What about people who desire, you know, sexual gratification from children? And that is horrible, and that is abuse, and that is that is a whole nother realm of appetite, possibly de- devolving of self-hatred, Could it cause some of that? I really don't know. My point is, I'm not talking about that. And odds are, the vast majority of you aren't struggling with that. But it's funny how the mind can do that, right? Like it can distract us from thinking about how this affects us. All right? You know, like, well, what about pedophiles? Like he's not talking about that. You know, that can pop into your head. And then we stop listening and thinking about our own lives because we just got like derailed. It's funny how our heads can do that. Justify. So yeah, maybe to set your mind at ease a little bit. I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind of twisted pathology. I'm talking about fairly normal human needs, sexual needs and appetites And how, you know, from my experience, how those get out of control. 
And listen, when it comes to criminal behavior, you know, some of the stuff we're seeing in the Me Too movement, this, you know, it, it builds. It gains momentum in our thought life, usually in the dark, right? In isolation. We're not sharing this kind of stuff with others, you know, uh, safe places and spaces. You could talk about it. Man, it, it, you know, it's true that it's like mold flourishes in the dark. It usually doesn't happen overnight. As far as pedophiles, there's some research saying that some people just have this twisted desire compounding shame with sexual desire and repression for years in Catholic priests has been a, a speculated contributing factor. That's a whole nother thing, right? That's, that's just not what I'm touching on today. My point is the popular approach is to go after sobriety or purity. Uh, and, and how's that working for us, right? Like, like how's that working out? Seriously, purity, I, I, that's why I don't like that word so much because I think that there's layers, there's layers to this thing. And again, unfinished business, to clarify, is simply one um, who's not dealt with their stuff, right? Dealing with the, uh, going after the compulsion and healing from that is, is, is a side effect. What, what if that's true? And the blockage, uh, that's what I wanted to go into next. The blockage. What is the blockage? What blocks us from seeing that without the the hard work and the heavy lifting of getting into our own soul and dealing with the wounds in there first, uh, this, you know, purity on the surface, this sobriety... It just isn't long-term. Or there'll be another addiction waiting. That was my story, you know. Went from alcohol to methamphetamine and crack cocaine to spending myself into bankruptcy to sexual compulsion. That's, you know, it took a long time for me to actually start to deal with my stuff. And listen, I'm not just saying go get a therapist, right? Like, yes, I think you should get help. That's a big reason this show exists is encouragement for people to get help. But um, if you go in with this thought that I need this person to fix me, it's not going to work. You know, I, I hate to break that to you. It's healing a wound. Um this is where we get into uh, attachment theory a little bit here. Because some of you are going to say, yeah, Russ, well, I did see a counselor. I did see a therapist or, you know, uh, I, I did have an accountability group at one point or something like that. And, uh, you know, it just didn't work. And something I used to say in this show was just don't quit, you know, just go do it again. Find another one, you know, be diligent, work hard. Uh there's some truth to that, but um, it's like it's like that, that old quote from Einstein, you know, my friend Seth brought it up. Um, the same level of consciousness that created a problem um, cannot resolve the problem, right? One thing I noticed in my story uh, was my inability to understand relationships with people, you know? 
you know, even in the counseling, the reason I bring that up, right, the, the whole going to a professional to have them address, like, that's that's a basic sort of a, a service that you go get, right? Like, I need to get fixed. <laughs> we feel like that. Um, that person is, is not a mechanic, all right? You have a relationship with your, your counselor or therapist. Yeah, it's professional and all that, but... This is where friends are important, even romantic relationships. And when it comes to intimacy disorder and sexual needs, man, this has a lot to do with how we process and how we think about this thing called relationship. You know, connections happen in relationships. And it's funny how bringing it to an engineering kind of level, you know, you think about... Uh, Male and female, uh, like this is a this is a term in in like engineering. For example, when you charge your phone, you have a male cord that plugs into a female, right? That charges your device. Or when you plug a wall socket into the wall, in engineering, right? That's that's called male female connection. It's funny that that's a that's an engineering term as well as it's a. A relational reality. And sure, it's not just about sex or male-female. It can be uh, relationships with your friends, relationships with family, with loved ones, same-sex relationships, right? But the truth is, those connections aren't so nutsy-boltsy, are they? And sure, we can reduce down our attachments to people based on just what they could do for us, right? Or who they are to us. Maybe that's part of understanding my own intimacy disorder is I was really good at putting people in certain boxes. When really people are relational, right? We feel stuff, right? You, you, you can't put them on paper and figure them out and, and dissect a human relationship when it comes to the emotions and how we feel about the other, how the energy of presence functions. This song, I love this little, little bumper music for you when it comes to thinking about maybe exposing a little fear of presence and unfinished business, connection and attachment Attaching things and attaching people, very different, very different uh, feelings, attitudes, and relational components abound. Attachment theory says that we are born into relationships with mom and dad, with family, with worldviews that are beyond our control and sometimes our understanding. But the social norms that we're raised in have a lot to do with how we make connections and attachments emotionally. It's much like a jungle out there. And whether we're conscious of it or not, we all have our own intricate systems of surviving the world. For me, when it came to people actually knowing me, I found communication both necessary and scary at the same time. 
Intimacy can be defined by, you know, that stuff going on in your head, those feelings that you have, sharing them with another human being. As little kids were taken by the hand and guided down a certain path, however well-intentioned our parents or caregivers may be, whether right or wrong, shallow or deep, whether we are told outright or it's highly implied, we start to build a vision based on our environment. We start to form conclusions of what it really means to lay hold of those sweeter dreams. Originally by the Rhythmics, Sweet Dreams. That cover is by Emily Browning, by the way. It's also covered by Marilyn Manson, but I like that one. It's a little slower. It's uh, it's the scariness, right? Relational. It's a it's a Halloween favorite. That song. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, the mystery of human relationships. Scary? Question mark? A big reason I wanted to do this show is the over the years realizing that a lot of Christians have a longer road to travel. When it comes to recovery or getting over the hump of the compulsive stages of this thing, you know. And it's not just Christians, it's thinking people. Maybe. All right. But I'm going to focus a little bit in this episode on Christians in general, uh, religious Christians, American evangelicals or Western evangelicals, um, and why it may be the case that uh, their the stuckness, it may take root in, in us, I consider, right? putting myself in that camp as well uh as i've as i've been peeling off the layers of religion over the years i'm more of a mystic today christian mystic um it's where i where i land i don't know i'm american we love to slap labels on ourselves right here's how i identify as far as my relationship with the big man and speaking of labels uh a recent study suggests that um, American evangelicals, Christians, tend to consume more pornography than the general public. That's right. American evangelicals tend to search for porn more than the general population. 
Well, how do you know that, Ross, right? <laughs> this source is uh, a study published from the published in the journal Archives of Sexual Behavior and produced by researchers from Canadian universities that found the American states with more religious conservatives search for more sexual content on Google. So, yes, this is uh, from the Archives of Sexual Behavior, January 2015, Volume 44. Do American states with more religious or conservative populations search for more sexual content on Google? And uh, here's an excerpt from the study. Um, Researchers examined associations between state-level religiosity slash conservatism and itemized interests in searches for sexual content online using Google Trends, which calculates within-state search volumes for search terms. Across two separate years and controlling for demographic variables, we observed the moderate to large positive associations between, one, greater proportions of state-level religiosity in general web searching for sexual content, And two, greater proportions of state-level conservatism and image-specific searching for sex. So, yes, I won't bore you by reading the whole story. Uh, It's rather nutsy-boltsy, but I will post it on Heart, Mind, Love, Sex, and Affection on Facebook, which is a Facebook group uh, for this here podcast. That's Heart, Mind, Love, Sex, and Affection. Just search for that. And I'll post the story there. Ah, a little water. In this episode, uh, there's three. There's three that I wanted to really address. And the first one, uh, I've talked about a lot. And I'm going to talk about it again, hopefully with maybe a new perspective or a different perspective. Um, the idea of cognitive dissonance and feelings. All right. Feelings or emotions are a big one. And I've talked about that, how I really felt uh, in my own story, how, you know, the idea around feelings or emotions had been skewed by a lot of pastors and religious teachers growing up. And this kind of came home to roost recently. I had a friend who shared with me a testimony by a guy. You know, and she thought, well, Russ, you know, similar story is to you. And, you know, I found this guy's story interesting. And and I listened to it in, in man, I tell you what. First of all, I'm not going to name his name or anything, but he's a celebrity sports guy, right? So there's that. You know, you get guys who are from celebrity and we put them up on stage as like they have some authority or something (laughs) let them tell their story and which is fine you know this is this guy's story but he starts out his story with you know having to shelve his feelings um and and i and i get that right like i don't i don't want to say that that's all bad like having feelings and this is something i mentioned on the an episode or two ago um Feelings are mentionable, all right? They are um, acknowledgeable, and that's okay. It's okay to acknowledge and mention your feelings the way you feel. Uh, it's also possible to manage your feelings, all right? And that that can be a triggery word for a lot of people. 
Because when you say manage feelings, what are you talking about, right? And I think that's where this guy in his story was going with how do you manage feelings, you know? Uh, he was just basically saying that he reads scripture and that Jesus tells him how to feel and, you know, it's not all about him and his own feelings and, you know, the more he can know, like, stuff his brain with information, the better off he'll be. And this is a very popular idea amongst a lot of uh, Western evangelicals, right? Just stuff your brain with more logical stuff, uh, you know, and then you won't go astray, you know, right? The reason this is long-term not very helpful and can be downright destructive is because of the, well, part of it's the obvious understanding of cognitive dissonance. Um, I've talked about this on the show before, and some of you have been to college or have any, you know, psych education know what I'm talking about a little bit. But in a nutshell, cognitive dissonance is the feeling that we have. There's that word again, right? Between two conflicting thoughts. So two conflicting thoughts pop up and we feel something, right? There's a feeling that rises up in us and our mind goes to work very, very quickly to solve that dissonance. And if you're constantly just solving it with logic, uh, that's, that's not the way relationships work, all right? And it's not real tangible over time and it can cause us to isolate, or just sink into our own tribe of like-minded people who think exactly like we do and who also aren't talking about some of the deeper struggles. Does that make sense? And I wanted to touch on this, too, because even talking about the deeper struggles and solving them in a way that, you know, just is the right thing to say or the right conclusion you should come to, that can be done in groups as well. And that can also be not super helpful, obviously. Um, I went to a church where the pastor said a few swear words, wore a leather jacket sometimes, right? Rock t-shirts. It was the cool church with the rock and roll music. And, you, you know, like some of you, you're hearing what I say and you're like, well, that's not my church. You know, that's not my spiritual community, Russ. You don't understand. The people that I'm around are cool. Um I would have said the same thing when I started this podcast, right? Or with Mars Hill Church. Uh, that's that's something to be aware of, all right? Having your own mind, having your own thoughts, realizing how you solve the dissonance of relational issues, of sexuality, of sexual thoughts... Um, of stress management, right? That's a big one, man. Uh, how how you talk about that? Where Where is a safe place to talk about that? All that stuff is really super important. So feelings are important. Uh, another thing to remember is you don't have to act the way you feel all of the time, right? A feeling pops up and I need to just be this feeling. Some... Sometimes that's appropriate, I suppose. You know, it's okay to be angry once in a while. Uh, but anger for for the sex addict or for right someone suffering from sexually compulsive behavior, man, that anger tends to be a, a controlling mechanism in this thing. 
anger. It's one of the symptoms of uh, relational disruption in the way we feel in groups of people and how we're not in control. Control is a big one. We're usually angry because we're not in control. That's a big one for me, man. It's confession confession time with Russ Shaw. I felt the same way, you know. Didn't know it was a feeling, though, of course, because I was in denial about my feelings. And just, you know, you need to act right because the Bible says so. Or, you know, this is where you should and ought to be. Um, rather than flushing out why someone's feeling the way they are in relationship with that person, another study that was done and I shared this uh, I believe on on Facebook as well on the heart, mind, love, sex and affection um, there was a study done that said that as we uh, we grow in intelligence the more we're around other people the more relationships we have the more we have to do the work of processing how other people feel in an environment like a work environment for example it actually makes us smarter over time. The more we get into each other's stuff, the better. This is hard, man. Sometimes we react, we blow up. Uh, it takes time, and it takes grace. Grace is a big one, man. That's part of why I'm a Christian. You know, Grace is this understanding that you're accepted even though you feel not accepted, right? Uh, Peter Rollins called it the uh, step zero in the 12 steps, right? You sit in a room and you're accepted amongst uh, people who are also struggling with the same thing. Uh, in 12-step groups, we tend to hang our ego at the door, all right? That's important. Feeling everyone else's energy in that room and staying there anyways, powerful stuff. Guilt and shame. This is where I started to see how other people processed this and how other people thought about it and talked about it. Um, Paul Young, when he was on the podcast, talking about how guilt is the normal human emotion that we did something wrong and shame is feeling like we are wrong, right? Like we are bad. That to the core of ourselves, we're just a huge disappointment to everyone and we just suck and we're just horrible. Uh, man, a lot of a lot of folks who suffer with uh, sexual compulsive behavior feel like that. Um, it's, it's a feeling. Again, see, it's, it's when you think about the disappointments that happen throughout the day, when you uh, break your own moral code, right? That's what guilt is. The feelings that spring forth from that are important. Again, they're acknowledgeable. They're mentionable. And when we can bring them to the surface, pull them out of ourselves and talk about them, that's when they're manageable. That's when we can actually process some of that. Another one is there's a lot of caring that goes into our surface identity. Um, our self-image as it reflects to the rest of the world just on a surface level. Does that make sense? We, the way we feel about it day to day. 
in relationships, um, the amount of excess baggage, to use that word, that we have going on underneath that surface identity, you know, it has a kind of drag-like feeling, don't it? You hear people talking about baggage, you know, I, I have baggage, because they feel that stuff. And usually it's because a lot of times we just don't talk about it. And then we spend a lot of energy curating that self-identity, that self-image that we reflect to the rest of the world. When you start to heal from this thing, that stuff will become less and less important. That surface you, that image that you try and show the world to feel accepted. There's another feeling. How much, how much energy do we spend working to feel um, a part of a crowd or feel accepted, um, feel like we belong? And, and what if you could belong with all of your flaws out in the light. It's something I talk about a lot on this show and with some of my critics, you know, I keep my flaws in the light. So it's going to be different as a Christian guy who, you know, I've spoke to churches and listen, I'm going to keep my flaws in the light. Sometimes a swear word comes out and that's not always, you know, I'm working on that. Some of that working on it in this show a little bit. Um, but I'm not doing it to stuff that down, right? I'm not trying to dress myself up to look better to you. I'm simply realizing that I don't have to actively, you know, hit that thing every time I feel a certain way, which is usually a swear word for me. It's a triggered word. Those words come out when I'm triggered, anxious, angry, uh, disappointed, frustrated. Frustration, a good definition of that word, is the feeling that things aren't working out the way we thought they would, right? Anytime that happens, we feel the feeling of frustration. So... Acting authentic and being authentic are two different things. That's something I've noticed with, uh, you know, you can you can see how people, when they act a certain way, like people speak with their actions a lot. You watch their actions more than their words, and they start to tell you their truth. And that's that stuff's beautiful to me, you know. I have a friend who... Um, speaking of feelings, man, I have a friend who passed away recently, my good buddy, Dave. And, uh, this is where I've been, you know, speaking of feelings and really letting myself feel this stuff. I haven't cried more, man. When my mom passed, I kind of saw that coming, you know, she had dementia and, uh, my buddy Dave, he died. He's 50 years old, man. Same age as me. He had a heart attack and just, just died. And, and I knew him since I was 15, you know, we were just talking about getting tacos the other day. This, this I had to recover from. I took a few days off work. Um, I didn't, I didn't stuff it. I didn't get drunk, even though I was going to let myself, you know, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to, I'll, I'll get into that one later, but, um, I let myself feel this loss and as a result, it didn't crush me as much. 
his his losses have in the past and it still hurts he still comes to mind and i still have that uh that heart wound of, of the loss of my friend um but i'm grateful for the time that i had with him i'm really holding on to that gratitude for my friend and the time we had together while he was here we did so much crazy stuff man in the 80s uh, geez, it's a miracle we're still alive uh, but he uh, yeah, feeling that was part of the work I've done and, and seeing how far I've come it sucks, man. Losing a friend or a loved one, it hurts. But stuffing it, trying to work, you know, I'm, I'm prone to do that too. Be a workaholic, just stay busy. Um, trying to drink it away, which really doesn't work, you know. Usually alcohol just makes you feel even more, right? You just ball or whatever. You just... Um, no, I let myself feel it. I let myself be genuinely Shaw hurting and mourning and grieving the loss of my friend. Mostly amongst, right, people that I know. My wife, my family, my friends. I was able to, you know, go to work, yeah. Um... But I'm still, man, I'm still grieving it. I'm still feeling it. The difference between me now and me, compulsive addiction, right, swapping Russia, um, is that my carefully curated self-image has had to break its armor, right? I've had to take those layers of armor piece by piece off over the years and that's taken work it's taken intention um and i want to encourage you guys to do to do that work man and be be very cognizant and careful about how people tell you you should and ought to act or feel right or when they say things like feelings aren't necessary and you know we just feel too much and um, ask yourself, is that true? And remember cognitive dissonance. Remember the fact that the reason we do anything in this life is because we feel stuff, right? If you didn't, you would be like your your smartphone sitting on the table. You, you wouldn't do anything. The facts are cognitive science is going to say that we feel something and then we, we do it. Whether it's going to work, brushing our teeth, having sex, um, whatever we do, we do it because we feel like it. Sorry to break it to you, but that's true. Does that mean your feelings need to run your life? Of course not. And when you can acknowledge those feelings, they tend to not run your life as much. When you can identify them. See, this is the unfinished business part. We we have the feelings we don't talk about them and and they haunt us they haunt us like freaking ghosts and we walk around our lives haunting our own lives um 
There's two more. Okay. There's two more I wanted to talk about, but I've gone long in this episode. Uh, so we're going to save that for sexual needs part three. Um, the, there's two more why I believe uh, heavy thinkers, maybe religious people, right? Uh, a lot of evangelicals, a lot of Christians like myself uh, really struggle with this harder than a lot of other folks. Um, number one is is that um, the demonizing of feelings, right? Just having that in your in your uh, uh, pack of tools, coping mechanisms, you gotta throw that out of there, man, and start to question the authority that may tell you uh, that you know you can actually do that. That that's a thing, right? Ignore your feelings. No, that's not a thing. All right. Um, the the Psalms, right? If you're a Christian, read the Psalms. The Psalms are very, very emotional. David is is getting. Um, he isn't stuffing his feelings. <laughs> no, he's not. The, the, the Psalms are very healthy uh, books of the Bible, and some of them are dark, man. Some of them are, you know, not should not to stuff. Uh, but they're emotional, you know, and that's what emotions are. Um, we manage uh, cognitively through getting that stuff out of us, getting the mold out of the refrigerator, right? Love you guys. Um, that's show for this this session. Uh, thank uh, thank you guys for. Uh, are out there who are listening, who are still with me at this point in the podcast. Um, again, ASI247.org. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for those who contribute to keeping this thing alive. And um, yeah, Sexual Needs Part 3 is coming. There's two more. And uh, I'm excited to, to share that with you guys. One of the biggest things I'd like to leave you with is being okay with the mystery. Um, with the unknown, not needing to have, not needing to have everything all figured out before you're okay, right? I think that's uh, faith, really. If you can have it all figured out, that's it's not faith. It's certainty. It's um, intellectualism. Um, faith requires. Embracing the mystery. God is in the mystery. We, we can't have God all figured out. That's just not the way it works. In my humble opinion. One of the verses I've heard a lot of religious folks use to poo-poo feelings, right? Or to say that feelings aren't important or... You know, to, to trust, oh, just trust us, the brand, or whatever, you know, denomination you go to is uh, it's from Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, Lean not on your own understanding, you know. Um, it's taken out of context. So that's one thing I wanted to, to leave you with. Um, Proverbs, it's actually, if you go through 1 through 6, it's is the context uh, we'll start in verse three. How's that? Um, this is in the Proverbs as a letters from a father to a son. Um, 
I'll start in the beginning. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life for many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. And then this is the one, this is where they usually start, right? Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Verse 3, I think is really important. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. That's really important. Um, This is you feeling stuff. And it's okay. It's okay to acknowledge and mention those feelings. That's part of that act of binding them around your neck and writing them on the tablet of your heart. Goodness, faithfulness. We don't know what things are tied up inside of us until they see the light of day. A little theology there for you. It's going to leave you with a song by uh, an artist down in uh, Austin, Texas named Shaky Graves. And uh, this song's called Dearly Departed. Love this tune. Uh, how we haunt our lives and our relationships. It's kind of a cool. Here's a bumper for you. Till next time. Bye. The podcast, the website, and the ministry of ASI is for informational and entertainment purposes only and does not intend to supplement, replace, or substitute any professional, psychological, medical, or legal, or other counsel. Russ makes no representations of being a professional in any way, shape, or form. Artists or content providers and or guests on the podcast do not warrant an endorsement or recommendation or seal of approval of Russ Shaw or ASI247.org. Attitudes of Sexual Integrity and the Ministry of ASI is primarily funded and exists only because of the support from generous listeners and donations by people impacted by its message. If giving to the ASI ministry is something you feel led to invest in, the best way to do so is through the website ASI247.org via PayPal. Thanks for your support and thanks for listening. Well, even when one is dead and gone, it still takes two to make a house But no one's there Except a feeling in You and I both know That the house is haunted Yeah, you and I both know That the ghost is a you
cat videos and memes rule the feeds.